welcome back dear listeners to another exciting episode of the hitchhiker's guide to the earth a podcast dedicated to exploring the latest advancements in sustainability and how we can work together to create a more resilient future i'm your host madhura and today we are on part 3 of our four part series where we deep dive into all things air pollution and joining us to shed light on their groundbreaking solutions for mitigating air water and soil pollution is our esteemed guest dr shrikant sola founder of devikarth dr sola's journey is as fascinating as it is inspiring a highly accomplished cardiologist he graduated from stanford university and further honed his expertise at some of the world's most renowned medical institutions including harvard medical school duke university and emory university later joining the department of cardiology at the shri satya sai institute of higher medical sciences bangalore he witnessed the devastating impact of air pollution on the health of countless individuals this experience sparked his determination to address the pressing issue of air pollution and finding solutions to improve air quality dr sola thank you so much for joining us and really looking forward to all the insights you'll be sharing today thank you it's a pleasure to be here uh the pleasure is all mine sir and let's dive right into it shall we uh devikarth's technology pure skies has been making waves in the environmental technology space so dr sola could you give us a basic understanding of the whole technology and how it works and also what was the inspiration behind it sure you know the inspiration for going into clean air was actually my patients as you mentioned when i moved from the united states i had a fantastic practice at the cleveland clinic and i was working a lot with the biotech majors there you know the likes of companies like ge healthcare siemens philips st jude's medical and many of the big names in fact some of the technologies that i helped to develop are now in use in literally hundreds of thousands of patients across the world every year and that's very professionally and personally satisfying when i moved here in 2008 i i came here because i wanted to serve the country i wanted to make things better for my fellow indian and i saw right away there is way too much heart disease due to air pollution you know that the statistics are that 7 million people die every year and of air pollution one in three heart attacks are due to air pollution as a cardiologist treating heart attacks is what i do every day but i realized pretty quickly that you know the treatment that i could give was really just a drop in the bucket compared to the magnitude of the problem i i certainly wasn't preventing anything so what i did is i put together a team of scientists engineers and we basically said look let's look at everything that can uh, improve air quality and what i was thinking about was my patients you know one of my patients was a shoe cobbler on the street another was a a rickshaw wala and a third one was a taxi driver and i was thinking about them how do we bring clean air to them and we looked at ionizers we looked at filter based mechanisms you know sort of like gigantic air purifiers we looked at everything and none of them worked at at scale you know if i i'm talking about being able to cover large areas none of them could do that and then we said well you know radio waves travels long distance and as a cardiologist my specialty is mri of the heart how does mri work it uses pulsed radio waves to create the beautiful images that we use but we also use pulsed radio waves in the body to destroy things like tumors and abnormal electrical connections and so forth and we, we've been using pulsed radio waves in medicine for decades in a very safe and effective way we adapted that pulsed radio wave technology from medicine 
to environmental engineering to create something that basically it's a very simple practice. Pollutant particles like PM10 and 2.5, they float around in the air. Occasionally they collide with each other. And when they do, they tend to stick together and they, they're bigger, they're heavier, and they settle to the ground. This is how nature removes about, about two thirds of pollutants from the atmosphere. What we figured out is by using pulsed radio waves, we could speed up that process of this coagulation settling down so that it happens about six to seven times faster according to laboratory studies. And that's the basic premise of this technology. It's very effective and it works very well on the particles that we cover. Uh, that the statistics are really baffling and it's really inspiring that you decided to tackle the problem at its root and also it's very interesting to learn about how pulse radio waves are being used to accelerate the process of dry deposition uh, and even though I do not have any technical expertise on the subject your explanation was easy to follow along so thank you for that. Uh, now turning our focus slightly to the business side of things um, what is the targeted market segment and have you encountered any specific challenges while pitching your technology to potential customers or in general, what were some of the challenges that David Kurt faced? Sure. You know, unfortunately, despite decades of, of, of effort, air pollution is only getting worse. Um, in some countries like the United States and parts of Europe, laws have become very strict and we see that air quality has in general improved, especially emissions of certain heavy metals and you know, other toxic agents. But in developing countries where the economies are still growing very fast, where transportation, energy production, industrialization, even urbanization, um, populations are growing in cities especially. So air pollution is skyrocketing. And so air pollution gets worse despite decades of effort. What we have done is we've looked at, well, who's most affected by air pollution? It's not just people in cities, but cities is an easy target because you have lots of people in one easy place. So that's one area of focus for us, is trying to improve air quality for the millions of people who live in cities, not just in the developing countries, but all countries. The second area are the ones who actually make the pollution, you know, the heavy industries and industrial zones. Now, what we realized early on is that, you know, nobody wants to look like the bad guy. So it's unlikely that, you know, we sell our technology to, let's say, company X, and they say, oh, we improved air pollution by 40%. And then what the next question that people ask is, well, what were you doing before? <laughs> Why were your air pollution levels so high? We realized that. So then we said, okay, look, you know what, let's sell to industrial zones. Let's sell to industrial clusters together as a group. That way, nobody has to be the bad guy, but everyone gets to benefit. And that's, that's how we've been working. Uh, that's a very interesting point. Uh, do you think in the future that these industries will be more open to, you know, accepting this technology? Because uh, as reporting standards for ESG get stricter, is there a scope that these uh, companies will be more accepting? Uh, we believe so. And, and, you know, we see this in actual practice. Now, these companies, when it comes to ESGs, they, they mean well, they want to do very well, and a lot of them are really doing amazing things. But they're at different places. Some companies are still trying to figure things out. Okay, let's do uh, renewable energy. Um, let's do uh, wastewater you know, regeneration. Let's do rainwater harvesting. Let's do, you know, reduce the amount of plastic in our, in our packaging. Those are great. But when it comes to reducing particle emissions, 
it's there's still a gap. There's still a big gap. And that's because the technologies have not caught up with the amount of production. If you look at cement, for example, cement is a big polluter, not just in terms of the bad guys like PM10 and PM2.5, which is what we tackle with our technology, but even greenhouse gas emissions. You know, cement industry is a huge uh, contributor to global greenhouse gas emissions and climate change. But if you take markets like India, the cement industry is expected to double production between now and the end of 2030. That's a lot of pollution. And so what needs to happen hand in hand is while factories and cement plants increase their capacity, they also need to plan not only for the more production or the higher production they're going to have, but what do you think the Indian government or any government is going to do as population increases, as industrialization increases? Naturally, they're going to clamp down on their pollution laws. They're going to make the existing norms even stricter. And the smart businesses will think ahead and say, you know what, we're not planning for the 2023 rules. We need to plan for the rules that are likely going to come in the next decade. Everything's going to get a lot stricter. And if you're a smart business, you're going to plan for that right now. Yep, that, that, that makes sense. And also, do you think uh, collaborating with regulatory bodies to spread awareness amongst this would be something that Devikert would consider in the future? Definitely. You know, it, there's a funny story earlier, uh, maybe about three, four years ago, or just before the pandemic. Uh, we from David Earth, we would go to these uh, meetings run by the local state pollution control boards. And these were meant to you know, discuss how can we improve air quality? These are common meetings. And what we would see is there would be three or four people in the conference room and the rest of the people would be sitting outside watching videos on their WhatsApp on phones. <laughs> That's how it went. Now, now fast forward to 2023 or two years and there's a huge change it's not just the pollution control board members it's people from the municipal corporation people from say the traffic police because they're affected by pollution every single day it's the wastewater uh, waste sorry the solid waste management guys because uh, you know if solid waste is not collected at least in in developing countries it often just gets burned and when it gets burned, it just contributes to urban air pollution. So like this, many new departments uh, from the city or even NGOs and citizen action groups are now taking a part. And that brings a lot of rich experience. It brings a lot of different perspectives. And that makes a decision-making process much faster. It also increases stakeholder in, in, involvement because at the end of the day, you know, governments can pass laws, but unless the stakeholders are, you know, really buy into it, it's just not going to stick. And we see that things are improving rapidly in the last few years. Oh, that's uh, really good to hear that there is a change in the mindsets of people, especially the stakeholders. Um, now, from your vast industry experience, uh, could you share a particular interesting use case of your skies that our listeners would find fascinating? Yes, you know, we had to put uh, one of our units as a demo in a cement plant, uh, not too far from Bangalore, maybe an hour or two from Bangalore. And in this particular cement plant, pollution levels were high. Um, they had a lot of dust. They had a lot of PM10 and 2.5. In fact, levels were more than double the permitted norms. And they're getting harassed appropriately so by the State Pollution Control Board because their levels were just too much. In fact, when we went there, we saw 
that the whole place was covered with this white cement dust. It was like walking on the moon. Even the trees and the leaves around the plant were all covered in this white dust. So we said, okay, we spoke to them, we put in our technology, pollution levels dropped by more than 50%. Everybody was happy. I went there and saw how much better things were. We met the MD of the plant, the managing director, and it was great. We said, okay, let's get this started, et cetera, et cetera. We took our machines out. And then as we were driving back to our office to, you know, these were demo machines. So we were supposed to bring them back at the end of the demo and then put in the long-term machines that would be there for the customer's commercial installation. That would happen maybe a few weeks later. So as we're driving back with the demo machines in the back of our truck, we get a frantic phone call from the head environmental engineer at that plant. And he said, guys, guys, stop what you're doing. You need to come around, come back and turn around right now. We said, how come? He said, well, the state pollution control board officials have just shown up with their mobile air quality monitoring van, and they're gonna be measuring air pollution levels in our plant. And now that your machines are not here, we know that pollution levels are gonna shoot back up. So please come back right away. Well, we did, we put our machines back in, pollution levels dropped and everybody was happy. So this is a good example of what happens, <laughs> you know, when, when customers comply, when industries comply. And I wanna say they want to comply. It's not that these, these industries are willingly saying, yeah, let's pollute. I mean, nobody does that. It's just that until now, there really weren't a lot of good technologies to do this. And most companies will start with industrial hygiene which means that you know these are practices that they use to try to limit the amount of uh, pollution that comes secondarily just from routine operations. You know, like when you're transporting materials from one side of the plant to another, some materials will, will blow around or some dust will blow around and that'll create a, a different type of pollution. Um, and they don't really have very good solutions for that until our technology comes around. But this is a serious thing. One of our customers is a mining company in Chile Chile in South America, and they were shut down for just one week. Okay, one week doesn't sound so bad, but every day that they were shut down, they lost $3 million in operating revenue. <laughs> so the, the ramifications of, of a plant shut down and the fines can be pretty serious. Uh, uh, that's actually very interesting. What are the geographical areas uh, are you targeting uh, with your product? You know, as a startup, we have to be careful um, how we work. I always tell my team, we can do anything, but we can't do everything. And so what we've decided to do is focus just on a few key areas. You know, we've gotten ourselves pretty well established in India. We started work in Chile in South America about a year and a half ago. Uh, that's really because of um, the presence of copper as well as lithium mining in India, uh, in Chile. Uh, mm -hmm. Chile, it turns out, produces about one-fourth of the world's copper, and copper is needed for everything that runs on electricity, whether it's windmills or, or EVs or your batteries, everything that runs on copper, um, everything that runs on electricity runs on copper, and most of that, a big chunk of that comes from Chile. So mining is a big deal, and we've been we've done well there. We've also worked with the European Union countries, especially countries in the eastern part. Uh, we just got our first installations, our first commercial deals in Estonia, in Eastern Europe, and also Northern Italy. Now, Italy is a developed country, but the northern part, it's kind of the same like uh, what happens in Delhi here in India. You've got the Italian Alps, um, 
in the northern part of the country and they form a wall that keeps the pollutants uh, from dispersing, kind of the same way that happens in, say, the northern part of India around Delhi, for example. And so that air shed or the way the air flows um, prevents pollutants from being dispersed and you get very high pollution there. So we're excited and it means that uh, we get to work with a lot of international customers, different cultures. It, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds very uh, fascinating journey for you ahead. Now, as we wrap up, uh, in terms of scaling up, could you share your vision for the future of Devik Earth and its role in combating air pollution? At, uh, you have mentioned on a global scale. And what particular help, whether in terms of funding or otherwise, would you require to achieve such an envisioned scale-up? Remember that uh, green technology, most green technology anyway, is based on hardware. You know, there are not really many apps that will help to solve the problem of climate change. It's all about things like improving energy efficiency, um, capturing carbon at the source sometimes, maybe uh, climate mitigation, reducing pollution when it does get out there. There are different, different ways to do this. Um, improving uh, energy efficiency in buildings, for example, is a great one. But all of this requires oftentimes a hardware intensive approach. And there's a saying among startups that hardware is hard. It takes a while, it takes uh, funding, it takes VC funding or other types of funding to really um, grow, to be able to uh, develop your product and get yourself established. But what we're doing is, you know, we're thinking back to how we started, that shoe cobbler, who was one of my first patients with the heart attack, that auto driver, taxi driver, the rickshawwala. How do we bring clean air to them? Certainly that means by working in cities, working with heavy industries and so forth, but it also means bringing green technology into everybody's hands. Um, pulsed radio waves is everywhere. Pulsed Wi-Fi is on your mobile phone normally, just as it connects to your Wi-Fi router in your house. Can we create an app maybe with a little hardware piece attached to it that allows your phone to work as a personal air purifier? Maybe not the one acre coverage that our big machines provide, but maybe about five to 10 meter radius of coverage. That's pretty good. That's about the size of a small apartment. So these are the kind of things we're looking at. Can we put green technology into everybody's hands? Can we bring clean air, clean water, clean soil for everyone? That's what we're trying to do. Uh, that's very innovative approach to green technology, I must say. And it's truly inspiring. And we at Capoxy truly wish you all the success in your mission. Uh, sadly, that's all the time we have for today. So thank you so much, Dr. Shikansola, for joining us and sharing your incredible insights into the world of green technology. Great. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure. And all the best for, uh, for this and your other podcast as well. I listened to some of them. They're quite insightful. And also thank you to our dear listeners for tuning in to the third part of our Hitchhiker's Guide to the Earth. Join us next time for another exciting episode where we'll bring you more insights from experts, startups, and innovators in the fight against air pollution. Until then, keep breathing clean air and remember, we hold the future for our planet in our hands. Mm -hmm.